Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor. We're going to continue to experience God together today. Hey, we always celebrate at the beginning of every message, but today is a very special celebration uh, because a few, uh, I don't know, two months ago, something like that, Pastor Josh uh, Cunningham was our kids pastor for many, many years and a very close personal friend of mine for really the last 15 or more years. And, uh, and he decided to break my heart and leave. And uh, no, it was a beautiful thing. It's God's will. Uh, but, it, but it left an empty gap here at our church. And so we were looking and had been looking even prior to that because uh, we knew he was leaving uh, to hire the next kids pastor. And so I would love to introduce you to Pastor Marilee and Jeff Allen. <laughs> uh, I personally believe that God has sovereignly moved as he frequently does when we're hiring somebody uh, and brought Marilee into our lives. And, uh, and her and Jeff are going to be amazing serving in this role. And we're super excited about the future of kids ministry. So uh, you want to share anything or introduce yourself? Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, we are thankful to be a part of Arise Church. I can tell you what, from the moment we walked through the doors, it was like coming home. It was like a big hug. And we are so thankful that we can be here and get to know you and get to know your children and partner with you in raising mighty warriors. Amen? So John 16, says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world, right? And so our desire is to build godly foundations in these children so that when troubles come, when hardship comes, they know who to turn to. They know who to cry out to, right? And so our desire is to build godly foundations, and we cannot wait to get to know you and your children. Please swing by and say hi to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Come on. As we commence this new journey, Ada, would you lead us in prayer? And if you want to extend your hands this way, and let's just pray over this amazing couple. Yes. Father, thank you so much for Marilee and for Jeff, God, and for the gift that they are to the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent them here for, for such a time as this, Lord. Thank yeah. you, God, that they are going to pour into our children, Lord, and raise mighty warriors, like she said, yeah. God. And we yeah. just thank you for the anointing that's on them. We thank you for their future, God, in the kingdom of God, Lord, as they're growing the kingdom um, through yeah. one little child at a time, God, and we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, one more time. Thank you, guys. Exciting about Pastor Marilee and the future of our kids' ministry as God continues uh, to move Arise Church forward, and, and I'm glad that we get to be a part of what God is doing here. Amen. Um, so if you're new to our church, newer to our church, you should know this, because uh, I don't want you to get trapped. Um, of the things we do at our church... Uh, our elevator is demon-possessed. <laughs> I ever noticed this. Uh, it started out when we first moved in because elevators have phones in the elevator shaft, and they're meant to be like in a case of emergency you can call out. Well, our elevator shaft, Antoine, it actually you could call into it for some reason. So you could call into our elevator phone, which nobody actually called except for telemarketing things. 
And when they call in, it automatically goes into like, uh, you know, a, a loud voice and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so um, all these telemarketers would call, and usually they were audio recordings, you know. Anybody, anybody notice your extended warranty is expired? Okay. And so, like, we would be in the church by ourselves or walking down the hall, and the elevator is talking, talking. And, you know, it's really freaky, man. Churches, when you're alone in a church, period, are always a little freaky. There's something about them. I don't know what it is. Uh, but the elevator's talking. On top of that, like, especially early on, man, especially early on, it was a real frustration. It would get broken. It would get stuck. Uh, one of the, uh, in the first few months that we moved in this building, uh, a sweet lady was going down the elevator to go to the bathroom. She had to go to the bathroom during a service, and she got trapped in the elevator. It just kept going up and down, up and down. Doors never open, just up and down. And she's calling for help, but nobody knows if it's really her because you got, could be a phone call. And, um, and so she's calling for help, and the poor thing, she's got to pee, you know? So uh, it's, that, that demon is a demon-possessed elevator. And it's the nemesis of Pastor Ken, by the way. Like, everybody has a nemesis. It's the nemesis of Pastor Ken. Like, you can walk by his office every once in a while, and you'll see his face turning red and his voice getting a lot louder, and you're like, what's going on? We're like, it's the elevator, people. He's dealing with the elevator. Because it's like this, it's so frustrating. Um, but here's the thing. Nobody likes being trapped. Nobody likes feeling stuck. Nobody wants to be stuck in an elevator or stuck in a prison. Nobody likes that feeling of being stuck. In fact, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. I just don't even like being in tight places, period. Like, I don't like, like, you know, they got to put you in an MRI machine or something. I'm like, I don't like this stuff coming around me. I don't, I want to be free. In fact, if you try to entrap me by your own bondage of words, I'm just rebellious enough. Uh, I'll, I'll do this. And I know a lot of you will do the same thing. Like, I'll do it just to spite you. Like, oh, you can't do that. I'll show you I'll do it. Even if it kills me, I'm going to do it now because you said I can't. Because I don't even like being trapped by your own words and own, own opinions of me. And so, uh, uh, so that, that comes into it as well. And, and I got good news for you, and that is that Jesus wants you to be free. <laughs> Jesus wants you to be free. Nobody likes that feeling of, of being fra- trapped, but Jesus wants you to be free. In fact, freedom is a, is a key um, element to the Christian story. Kristen, that back screen's crazy. <coughs> freedom is key to the Christian story. Uh, in fact, um, we sing about freedom. We talk about freedom. We write so poetry about freedom in the Christian world. Pastor Jason loves to sing about freedom. And oftentimes that means like freedom like you're dancing around. That's not really usually what freedom in the context means. But it is this freedom of not being bound anymore. It is central to the Christian story that I once was lost, now I'm found, and I'm free. But yet many of us are not actually experiencing freedom. We sing about it. We talk about it. We give testimony about it, but there's levels to our freedom. And oftentimes we're not really experiencing freedom. In fact, somebody told me many, many years ago, they said, they said they were, they were joking with some teenagers and the teenager said, you can't lie. You're in church. And this much wiser man said, people lie in church all the time. They say they're free. Woo. So let me ask you the question. Are you free? Are you free? I remember the first time First time I ever drove uh, by myself. Now, uh, don't, don't hate me for this, but like many people in my age demographic, I started driving at like 12. Like I was driving around, whatever. Um, but not by myself, like only me in the car. And uh, I never got my learner's permit, permit, so I got my regular driver's license at 16 years old. And at 16 years old, I get my driver's license, I come home, and I'm just gung-ho to drive somewhere. Anybody remember that? Now you don't want to drive anywhere, and it costs you an arm and a leg to drive to, you know, the end of the road. Um, but... 
but I just couldn't wait to drive somewhere. So I get home and I'm like, mom, let me drive somewhere. Mom says, all right, you can go get gas. Go get gas for me in my car. So I got in, I got in her Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Cream, blue top, different colored top, two-tone. Y'all remember those? Anyway, I get in the Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme and I pull out on the Highway 39 in Plant City and it was the greatest thing ever, man. I turned the radio up and I'm like, I'm free! I can go anywhere I want to go. I can do anything I want to do. The spirit of freedom was all over me. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And I drove all the way like two miles to the gas station, <laughs> pulled into the gas station, turned the car off, filled it with gas because I'm a good son, get back in the car and turn the ignition and nothing happened. This is before the days of cell phones. And I'm like, what just happened? So I am trying to figure out everything. I'm retracing all of my steps. I'm like, why will the car not stop? I am confident it's me, not the car, because the car was fine until I'm the one driving it, right? And I don't know what I'm doing, I'm, you know. And so I keep messing with everything. Finally, after five minutes of stress and anxiety and all the freedom is gone, I realized I never actually put the car in park when I stopped at the gas station. I pulled up to the gas pump, just turned the car right off while it was in drive. Well, that works until you go to turn it back on and it won't start unless it's in park, obviously. And so I'm like, what? I'm such an idiot. I'm never gonna tell anybody that story ever. <laughs> 20 something years later, you get to hear that story. Um, but that's the way freedom works for a lot of people. I'm free, this is awesome, led right into a pretty stressful anxiety, 16-year-old, what am I going to do? My mom's going to kill me. I just broke the car. I don't even know how I broke the car. I never even told my mom, by the way. If she's watching, hi, mom. <laughs> That's what happened to your Oldsmobile. Anyway, uh, but it didn't actually hurt the car. You know how it is. All right, so, so, so are we actually free? Now, now, this freedom concept is just central to the whole Christian worldview. And the Bible talks about it at length all over the place. And one of those places is the Apostle Paul, this church persecutor who gets radically saved. He's literally a, a terrorist to the church. He gets radically saved and actually becomes a member of the church. And not only a member, but a leader. And he starts planting churches and starting churches all over the place. And one area that he started churches was this area called Galatia. So sometimes we say, Galatians is a letter to the church in Galatia. Well, if you don't understand it, you'll think that's a letter to, letter to a specific church. Galatia is a region of churches. So it's like saying the letter to the church of central Florida. Okay. So he says, I'm going to write a letter to the church of Galatia because there are people called Judaizers. These are Jews who are getting saved, but they're trying to take all of the rules of Judaism, all the laws of the Old Testament, and tries to make everybody follow those laws. Well, that's not going so well, and Paul is very clear. Listen, it's not about the laws anymore. It's about grace, and we're New Testament, not Old Testament, and so he's trying to teach that, and it's right there in the middle of the book that he's talking, in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. Um, we're going to read uh, verse 1, 6, 13, and 14. I would read the whole thing, but it's just long. <coughs> verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then he goes on to, to talk about this issue of circumcision, uh, which is less about the physical act of circumcision. It's more about following the laws and what that represented. And then in verse 6 he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then jumping ahead to verse 13, again, he's discussing these issues they're having with the Judaizers. And then verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, 
But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Somebody say free. Free. All right, number one, if you're taking notes, you are called to be free. That's a good thing. You are expected to be free. You are called to be free. That is a beautiful thing. He says, for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I love that verse because if you're just honest, you're kind of like, well, duh. Like, you really have to say that? If someone sets you free, it's for the purpose of being free, not for the purpose of being bound. You are set free, so now be free is what he's saying. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Then in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That's good news. You were called to be free. God wants you to be free. In fact, Jesus died so that you could experience freedom. And if we're not experiencing freedom, we're not experiencing the fullness of everything God has for us. Does that make sense? God wants us to live and walk and be free. In fact, you cannot know real freedom apart from knowing Jesus. I know this is not a popular concept in America today, but you can have an outward type of freedom. You can have levels of freedom inwardly, but real freedom comes from knowing the one who can set you free. And the only one who can set you free from the bondage is Jesus. So, so there's some fake freedoms. There are certain pills that will give you a level of freedom and a, a feeling of freedom that's not real. There's certain relationships that might give you a level of freedom, but it quickly starts to die off. There, there, there's things you can do. There's, there's things that you think are freedom, but they don't oftentimes last or they don't last till the end. And so anytime you find yourself in some, some type of internal prison, that's not God's will. Now, externally, you can find yourself in a prison for God's will, and some of you might even experience that in your lifetime. But inwardly, anytime you find yourself imprisoned, that is never God's will. So if you are imprisoned by sin, if you're imprisoned by lust or imprisoned by hate or imprisoned by theft or imprisoned by any other sin, if you are imprisoned by it, that is never God's will. His will is for you to be free. Now you're going to have to walk out your freedom and live out your freedom. It's not just going to happen automatically. But he wants you to live free. If you are oppressed on the inside, if you are dealing with anxiety and stress, which is a pandemic across the United States that might be hurting a lot more people than COVID ever will. If you are dealing with that, let me be clear. Jesus wants you to be free from depression and anxiety and stress and all those internal factors. Now, just because he wants it doesn't mean it immediately happens, but it does mean you can take his hand and walk out of it. Are you with me? So there is no place that God wants you to be bound internally. Uh, you see this throughout the Word of God. And that includes with your finances. See, God wants you to have financial freedom, not necessarily financial wealth. Those are not the same thing. And it's so clear as we talk about this that we make it very clear they are not the same thing. Because you can have financial wealth without having financial freedom. Let me say that again for the people in the back. You can have financial wealth without having financial freedom. Many years ago, I remember driving through Avila in Tampa, where a lot of the, the Buccaneer players live and stuff like that, huge houses. And I was a young guy. And we're driving through there, and I'm admiring all these houses. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these houses are amazing. And I made some kind of statement like this. I said, these people must have a lot of money. And the older, much wiser guy that I was with in the car, he said, yeah, or a lot of debt. Listen, you can make $10 million a year and be $30 million in debt. It is not about how much money you make. 
It's about financial freedom with what you make. And some people are like, oh, my gosh, Pastor, I just, I can't, I can't do that. That's crazy. Uh, you know, I have so much debt. I have to make more money. Well, that might be part of it, but that's not the whole story. The goal, though, is not just to increase your income. It's to actually live with what you have at some point um, because you can't always just increase it. And you think, oh, this is too much. Um, let me share a quick testimony with you, you guys. Uh, put your hands together for Antoine and Cheryl Maddox. You guys come on up. These guys are amazing. They've been a part of our church for the last couple years. Um, I keep trying to hire Antoine. He won't do it yet, but he's, he's getting there. He's getting there. He's getting there. <coughs> Baby stuff. <laughs> so these guys have an amazing testimony. Do we only have one mic? We didn't. Okay, well, we'll share the mic. It's good. It's good. Uh, uh, so you guys have an amazing testimony. And let's start all the way back in the beginning with the amount of debt you had a number of years ago. And just, just you start sharing your story. So when we first got married, we had about $120,000 in debt between student loans, car loans, credit cards. Pretty normal. <laughs> $120,000 in debt, and how much income at that point? Uh, we had, combined, we had about $100,000 in income. So this is key, $100,000 income with $120,000 in debt. It doesn't matter how much you make, it's financial freedom. All right, Karen. Yeah, so um, we definitely felt trapped and felt stressed out about money, and um, me being the problem solver that I am, started researching, trying to figure out how do we get out of this. And so I uh, came across Dave Ramsey and started listening to his podcast on my commute to and from work and um, would come home and share with Antoine all of the wisdom that I had gained from Dave, <laughs> which he very quickly got very tired of. Um, <laughs> I just like, I said, last service, I just want to know who this guy Dave is who's talking to my wife, you know? <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> So I was, I was listening, you know, to learning his principles, but um, he has a segment of the show that's uh, where a, a family will come on and do their debt-free scream, and they share their story of how they got out of debt, and these people were, were paying off massive amounts of debt in very short, short periods of time, and so it just gave me hope that this is possible, we can do this, and so I would come and tell him, and we made some, some minor adjustments here and there, what we could, you know, with, with what we knew. But most people had. would say, all right, $100,000 a year, and you just have your normal expenses, you're going to have a mortgage and your car payments and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Your normal expenses, your electric and such, uh, in $120,000 in debt, it is not reasonable to get out of that debt for a long time. Right, right. That's what most people would think. Yeah, and, and that was our experience the first year. We only paid off about 13000 which is good, right? That's over $1,000 a month. But I was like, at this rate, it's going to take us 10 years to pay right. this off. And the people on the show are paying it off in two or three years. And um, I noticed the common theme was that they attended the, the class Financial Peace University. And I said, there's something, there's a secret sauce in the class. We need to take this class because there's something they're learning there that we're, we don't got. So um, pulled, pulled Antoine's arm and took him to the class. Antoine's like, I've been to enough school. I know. Like, right? I'm, I'm done with school. So, and Financial Peace University is a, is a course that is offered through, through Dave Ramsey. He has an online platform you can take, but I know we offer it here at the church as well. Tony Parker yeah, leads it as a small group. Yeah, during every, every season of groups, we offer it here. So if you want to jump into that in the next season, I'm sure it'll be available. Yeah, so, so we took the class and, and gained the principles we needed. And, and got, I think that was really what got you on board is seeing that it was possible and actually hearing for yourself. And it helped us get on the same page, which that ended up being the secret sauce. It wasn't necessarily the knowledge. It was just us yeah, same page. working together towards yeah, that, the common that, goal. That's so key. Um, it's being unequally yoked. We, we always use that concept to talk about salvation and, and a non-believer, but we can be unequally yoked in all kinds of things in our lives, right? Yes. 
And if we're going to get out of financial bondage, you can't have one that's going for it and one that's not. It's not going to work. You're going to have to be equal and both agree to this. Because so. it's not easy, but it's possible. Yeah. So before, before the end of the class, it's a nine-week class. And um, during the class, I started looking for new jobs. And I was able to find a new job closer to home. So I, wasn't commu I was commuting to Bradenton before then. And so I found a, a job here in Tampa. And um, it came with an, a salary increase as well. And within six months, Antoine also had a salary increase. But we got creative and tried to find other ways to increase the income so that we could pay off more than, than what we had been um, a lot faster. And so we, um, there's a lady in our neighborhood who had posted on Facebook, if anybody has an extra bedroom in your house, we're, we've got international students that need a place to stay. And so we had two extra bedrooms and we opened those up and started hosting international students and they paid $750 a month a piece. So that was helpful. Taking care of our mortgage. Yeah, and then uh, we also, we have three dogs and I said, Antoine, we, we pay to have people watch our dogs when we're out on vacation. What's a few more? We could do that too. It sounds like, a, sounds like an easy way to make some money. Wait, wait, time out, time out. So she sounds like, it makes it sound like this is like nothing, not, not a big deal. Again, she had two, two or three jobs. I actually had a second job. I was a waiter at a, at a hotel. And then she actually, so we started hosting these international students, like two, you know, uh, per, per month. And you gotta realize now, she comes up with another idea about watching these dogs, right? Now, you're thinking that, you know, not a big deal and this and that, but guess what? At one point, I had like 12 dogs in my house. We didn't have a cat for how many, we were gonna, any of them, we're gonna take all of them. So what that looks like is like a bunch of dogs running all over your carpet and your furniture and stuff like that, and while two other dogs in the corner are peeing in the corner laughing at you, like ha ha ha. And I'm like, man, so I had to like constantly tell myself, man, it's, it's temporary. So I, look, I looked at that, that, at that dog and I was like, you know what? Go ahead and continue to pee, continue to pee. It's temporary, you know? Once we got out of debt, we, uh, we ripped up all the carpet and put new floors down. <laughs> but no, yeah, we worked, um, we worked like dogs too. You know, we, but like he so mentioned. You had, you had people living in your house, mm -hmm. you had the dogs, Antoine takes on a second job. I took on a uh, second job You took job on a second well. job, what was yours? Um, I was doing therapy for kids in the, on the uh, evenings and on the weekends. I was a waiter at a hotel. Yeah. So this is so key, church, because you have to budget. That's step one. You, you agree with that? Now yes. you're a financial person now. Uh, and so you have to budget. That's step one. But you can increase your income by being creative in order to get out of debt. Now, not everybody's going to have the amount of debt of the Maddoxes, but you can increase your income by being creative in ways to get out of that, that debt. And I love the fact that you guys not only were willing to work, but have these creative, cool ideas of like, let's, let's you know. It was, it was all right. It, was, it wasn't that cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we were, we were able to pay it all. From, from the point of taking the class, we had all the debt paid off within the next two and a half years. Our goal was to pay the debt off. Yes, thank you. Our goal was to pay the debt off before we had children, and we, we met that goal. We had our daughter that year. There's three of them now. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so we were able to accomplish that, and then that afforded us the, me the freedom to be able to come home from working a full-time job and um, be home to raise our kids, and um, I've been able to start my own business now, which we wouldn't have been able to do um, when, we were, when we were drowning in debt. Yeah, and what's the business you're doing now? So um, I'm a financial advisor now. Dave Ramsey really <laughs> Four got Dave a hold Ramsey. of my heart. Four Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah. Now I help people with with their finances on their financial journey. And you actually got to go on Dave Ramsey and do the 
shout. Yeah, we did the debt-free screen. We, we drove up to Nashville with Anna Marie was not quite a year old at that point, and we did our debt-free scream on the debt show. Debt-free scream. Yeah. yeah. I don't watch Dave Ramsey, but this just sounds fun. <laughs> I have seen y'all's debt-free scream. All right, so, uh, and, and maybe you already alluded to this a little bit, but um, now you are on the other side of this, and you guys have a level of financial freedom now. It changes everything. How does that freedom feel? Amazing. <laughs> We're not trapped anymore, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And, um, I mean, we definitely work better together as a team now. I think it, it brought us closer for sure, and um, we're able to, to give more. We never stopped giving through the whole time. I mean, we, we both were, were raised in Christian households who tithing was a, was a principle that we, were, we grew up on, and so we tithed through the whole thing, um, but we're able to give above and beyond that now. I also, would, I also would say that uh, as part of, part of what we actually endeavored to do when we were trying to get through the debt was uh, we told God, like, you know, we, we want to be good stewards of you know, what you've given us because we realize that it doesn't belong to us at all. And it would be great if we can, we can be good stewards and at the same time, you know, while you're getting us out of debt, and when we get out of debt, be able to further your kingdom, you know, with the resources you've given us. And so what we saw was that when we made that commitment and we went through the process, God started opening up Ooh. opportunities for us Ooh. to get out of debt by giving us raises and bonuses and increases and stuff like that. So we got to see that journey. Yeah. yeah, there. I'm, and I'm a big numbers person. I remember there was a month or two in there where I'm crunching numbers, and I'm like, there's more money in our account than should be in there, and I couldn't figure it out. And I'm sitting there, I'm doing the math, and I just felt like, Lord, you're not supposed to figure that out. Just, just accept it. I was like, okay. I love that. I love um, the very fact is God wants you to be financially free, just like he wants you to be free in every other area of your life. And we'll explain why in just a second. But God wants you to be financially free. And if you start taking those steps, he will go with you. I mean, it's, it, he will assist you in that process. All right, so now the 30-second advice as a financial advisor who gets 30 seconds, and we're going to steal you for, without paying you. So 30 seconds. What, what's one piece of advice you would share with our, our I mean, the, I think the primary thing is getting on a budget and yeah. really assigning every dollar of your income, you know, giving it a purpose, giving it a name, um, because if you don't, it disappears. Mm -hmm. I can speak that from experience. And, and if you're married, definitely working with your spouse and um, doing, accomplishing whatever your goal is, set it together and, and go at it together. Yeah. So uh, Pastor Tina mentioned it last week, but this coming Saturday... There is a Zoom budgeting class that you are all invited to. It is completely free, where Pastor Tina will be teaching you how to create a budget. Uh, go to that next slide, if you would. Um, Pastor Tina will teach you how to create a budget. You can uh, scan that QR code, or you can go on the Church Center app and sign up for it. It's completely free. Somebody say, if it's free, it's for me. <laughs> you can become financially free through this free class. I'm going to play it as much as I can. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and so sign up for that and be a, be a part of that class and learn how to make your money work for you instead of you just working for your money, right? Yeah. All right, put your hands together one more time for Antoine and Cheryl. Thank you, guys. All right, second point. When freedom is misused, it leads us right back into bondage, <laughs> right? Second half of those verses I just quoted. For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the, the flesh. Freedom, freedom. If you, have, <coughs> excuse me. if you have it, 
apart from God's principles, oftentimes leads you right back into bondage. In fact, if I were to ask people in this room, a uh, typical American uh, uh, answer, like if I asked you, what does freedom mean? Like if I were to, do, you define freedom, what does ultimate freedom, what does freedom mean? The kind of the American standard answer is freedom is the ability to do anything I want whenever I want. That's kind of this American answer. Let me tell you, that is not freedom. If you think that's what freedom is, then you will end up walking right back into bondage again with your freedom. That's why Paul had to say, it is for freedom you've been set free. Why? Because freedom is not indulgence. Freedom is not indulgence. If you think freedom is indulgence, you'll get free, run right back into indulgence, and find yourself right back into bondage. So he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Listen, you can be free in America to look at any website you want to. But there are certain websites that are going to lead you right into bondage and your very freedom that we all love will end up controlling you and imprisoning you because you are now addicted to something online. You can use your freedom to drink something, but when you drink too much of that thing, all of a sudden it becomes a bondage in your life. Are you with me? You can use your freedom. In fact, fact, Americans, we, we, we love freedom. You can use your freedom and, and get in the car like a 16-year-old that I was and, and get in the car and go, I'm free. And you can drive 120 miles an hour down the road and then your freedom will actually be taken from you and you'll end up paying tickets and your free money will then be paid money into the, the government for a ticket. If you do it enough times, your free driver's license, which isn't really free, but your free driver's license will be taken away from you. And if you really want to see bondage, if you really want to see imprisonment, you'll have to go to the DMV to get it back. <laughs> I'm like, I'll pay you $500 just to not let me go to the DMV. Somebody in this room, this is your, your million-dollar idea right now. Just charge like 25% extra and say, I'll go to the DMV for people. That'll be my job. I will go into the gates of hell. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm sorry. There's people in our church that work in the DMV, and they hate me right now. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you, but it is, it is, it is tough. And so if we're not careful, what happens is we can be totally free and then find ourselves walking right back into bondage. Right? Give me an example. A couple years ago, I paid off my truck. Completely free. It's mine. I pay off the truck. I pay gas, which is more than truck. But got my truck. I'm happy with my truck. I love my truck. It's a great truck. Uh, It's an awesome truck. I love my truck, right? Until I go to a sectional minister's meeting. And some of y'all will remember Pastor Kyle Judah. Great man of God, lovely man. He was our youth pastor here for years, and he left us to go be a senior pastor, and we're his biggest fans, and he's doing great things at the church. And he must be doing really great things at the church because he had the audacity to go buy a brand new Chevy Silverado Z71, and he parked it right next to my truck at a sectional meeting. I was perfectly content with my truck. Until Kyle parks next to me in his 4x4 Z71. And now I'm like, my truck sucks. <laughs> my wife has to talk me off this ledge. She's like, she's like, your truck is great. I love your truck. Keep your truck. And I'm like, yeah, but Kyle's truck. Right? This is the world we live in because what will happen is you get financially free. Praise the Lord. Free at last. Free at last. 
thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. You get financially free, and then you see that truck. <laughs> then you see that bigger house. And the assumption is I can take that money and use it any way I can to satisfy my needs, my flesh, and I will run right back into bondage instead of actually living out freedom. It is for freedom you've been set free. Now stay in freedom, don't run back into bondage. Um, but yet that's a natural human tendency. It's the materialistic world we live in. It's, it's greed. And by the way, we, we, we do this. It's like built into us. Like we have to fight against our own nature. You know, the very first story in the creation account, the, the first story of humans, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve have unlimited freedom. They can do anything they want to do. They run around naked all day long. They sleep till noon. I don't know. They could do anything they wanted to do. They could eat anything except for one stinking tree. One, one tree. And how do we use our freedom? Let's go after the one tree that we're not allowed to have. It's human nature. And so what happens is we experience freedom. And if we are not cautious, we will walk right back into bondage. Here's what I want you to hear, because this is really this whole message, the, the purpose behind it, the why behind it and all. Here's what I want you to hear. This is so key. I fully believe that if you put the principles into practice from the last two weeks, you will find financial freedom. Right. Might take two years, might take five years, but if you put those into practice, if you get on this budget, if you do these things, you will find financial freedom. But I have seen it so often where people get out of all of that. They get secure in it, and they turn around and run right back into it. It is for freedom that you've been free. God wants you to not only be free, but to stay free, stay free, stay free. In fact, Galatians 5, if you were to keep reading in verse 22 and 23, is the famous fruit of the Spirit verse. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I don't need a law for the things that do good, but I totally need laws for things that I will use my freedom poorly with. I know, I know you, you don't need laws because you would always drive under the speed limit. I know I'm only talking to Pastor Ken right now. And the rest of you, I know if the speed limit signs weren't there and there wasn't a cop nearby, you would always drive under the speed limit. Right, of course, of course not. Here's the thing. So, we have to put up laws to actually protect you from using your freedom to hurt you or somebody else. We do that all around the United States. It's just what we do. And so there's laws there, but there are not laws that prevent you from going too far with good things. So when it comes to love, is there a law that says you can only love to a certain degree? When it comes to kindness, is there a law that says you can only be kind to a certain degree? And that's what he's saying. There is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. You don't need a law to hold you back. You can go as far. You can love until it hurts. You can be kind. You can be good to people. You, you can be faithful until it hurts. You can be gentle. Why? Because financial freedom can lead you into new types of bondage. Financial freedom can lead you into new types of bondage. Money's a funny thing. Uh, money is power. And it really represents the ability to do things you want to do. Uh, like any kind of thing that's power, it's it's representative of your ability to have freedom to do whatever it is you want to do. The thing about that is simply this. Most of us, if we're honest, what we want to do 
isn't what God wants us to do. In fact, uh, don't, don't, don't answer out loud, but if I were to say, uh, you won the lottery, you just got $500 million today, won the lottery, in your account this afternoon, what's the first thing, and I know you're in church, but what's the first thing that comes to your mind that you would do with the $500 million? Most people, if you're honest, now I know you're in church, and like I said a minute ago, we're all a bunch of liars, but... <coughs> But if you're honest, the first things you would say is probably like, oh, I would buy a bigger house. I would buy a nicer car. Uh, I would do these different things. That, that, that's human nature. And it's played out by everybody who wins the lottery, right? Your first inclination is not, dude, I could start an orphanage in Haiti. Your first inclination is not, oh, I could change, literally change people's lives that are in poverty. Our human nature is selfish. Are you with me? So when you have unlimited money or financial freedom, that doesn't mean unlimited money, but when you have financial freedom, all of a sudden we tend to use our freedom to bless ourselves and not somebody else, right? In fact, uh, Will Smith said it this way. I've, I've said this many times, but y'all wouldn't listen to me. So Will Smith says it this way, money and success don't change people. They merely amplify what's already there. Hmm. The truth is it's already in our nature to be selfish and money simply amplifies what's already there. And if you think money will make you happy, if you think money will satisfy you, uh, you know it won't. But you can listen to the experts to find out. Go, go to that next slide. Uh, Andrew Carnegie, uh, he said, I've made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. I'm sorry, that's Rockefeller. Vanderbilt said, the care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There's no pleasure in it. John Jacob Astor said, I am the most miserable man on earth. Henry Ford says, I was happier when I was doing a mechanics job. Andrew Carnegie said, millionaires seldom smile. See, I know from the other side, because most of us in this room aren't millionaires, and if you are, you need to make a meeting with Pastor Ken this week, <laughs> but most of us in this room aren't millionaires, and so from the other side, we think, oh, if I just had that, if I just had that, if I just had that, it, it won't make you happy. It's not about financial wealth, it's about financial freedom, and freedom is a godly thing that's beautiful, but it's not about making a million or making 10,000, it's about freedom. It's about freedom. It's about freedom. In fact, I, I love this, this next quote. Nobody knows who actually made the quote, but I think it's so good. Money will buy a bed, but not sleep. Books, but not brains. <laughs> Somebody knows that. Food, but not appetite. Finery, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. Medicine, but not health. Luxuries, but not culture. Amusements, but not happiness. Religion, but not salvation. A passport to everywhere, but heaven. Listen, I'm not, I'm not anti-money. I'm not saying God wants you to be broke or something. I don't think that's the case at all. I think the prosperity of God's people reflects on the image of who God is. I think God wants you to be prosperous. But that does not mean he wants to give you so much money that you actually walk away. Right. And the truth is, y'all can pull your toes in. I'll put myself in this camp. The truth is, if God were to suddenly give us and we win the lottery and you have $500 million, three years down the road, you might find yourself have wandered away from God. Because every temptation in the world is out there. Everything is, and you can do whatever you want. And the truth is, in your heart of hearts, you know that what you want oftentimes is not what God wants. Right. So you got to be cautious. We want to say, God, bless us to the level of our ability to handle it. God, bless us to the level that keeps me close to you. Right. That I can handle it and steward it wisely. All right, let's go to the last point, and we will wrap up. Point number three. When freedom is used correctly, it leads to serving others. 
Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Through what? All right, so, so it's not about a law. It's about faith expressing itself through love. Verse 13 again, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, right? We just read both of those parts. Rather do what? Rather buy everything yourself and take care of your own needs and buy the big house and buy the fancy car. And, and is that what it says? I hope you all are reading this. Rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what I want you to see. Freedom comes with responsibility. And if you are not responsible, your freedoms are taken away. Driver's license, DMV. That horror story is flashing back in your minds already. Freedom comes with responsibility. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to use our freedom to help other people. Saved people serve people. Saved people served people, serve people. And freedom looks a lot like service motivated by love. Right. Not motivated by law. That's not freedom. Now you're under compulsion. Now you're a slave if you're forced to do something. But freedom motivated by love. Not because a pastor puts a guilt trip on you to use your money for something. That's not what it is. It's I love the Lord, therefore I'm going to serve people. If somebody has to come to me and say, you better treat your wife right or I'm going to beat you up, that old kind of mentality, you might treat your wife right, but it's for all the wrong reasons and it's not going to last. But if you treat your wife right because you love her, because you love God, you love her, well, well, well then nobody has to tell you not to, to mistreat your spouse. Are you, are you with me? Yeah. So we need to take responsibility of that freedom. So we're called to serve people through love. Use our financial blessing, our financial uh, <coughs> freedom. Use it for love, to serve somebody else. And when that happens, what you find out is that you are worth more than your money is. Hmm. I love this quote. There's a, a preacher from the early 20th century uh, named J.H. Uh, Jowett. He says this, the real measure of our wealth is how much we'd be worth if we lost all our money. Let that sink in. The real measure of our wealth is how much we'd be worth if we lost all our money. Why? Because it's, it's, it's not a money thing. It's a heart thing. And serving others and loving others. See, how you handle money shows your spiritual maturity. Once you step into financial freedom or you have a little something, something, it starts showing your financial maturity. Because if you think it's all about you, you're immature. Think about it with kids. I, I was in the car. have. To me, being the spiritual dad in the car, I said, it's not about how much money you have, how much are you giving away? It gets real quiet. It gets real quiet. 
Because at six years old, he's not interested in helping somebody else with anything. At six years old, it's candy and Lego right now. That's what it is. How much candy can I buy? How many Lego sets can I get? And if you've been to the Lego store, you can buy like half a Lego set. These are crazy expensive. Why? Why? Because he's six. When you're six, you're selfish. But when you grow up, hopefully you're living for something other than yourself. When you have a six-year-old, you're 36 or 26 or whatever, and you have a six-year-old, hopefully you're still not living for your own self. The same thing that's physical is also spiritual. Your spiritual maturity can be demonstrated in how you handle your financial prosperity. Are you living for yourself? I get all this, I get all this, I get all this. Or am I trying to help other people? So there's three primary ways this plays out. There's three primary ways uh, of giving in our church, three types of giving. One is spontaneous givers. Like as Americans, we are generally spontaneous givers. When, when uh, something happens in Ukraine, like has just happened, and uh, different earthquakes happen or, 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 or hurricanes come through Louisiana, we are spontaneous givers. That's part of the DNA of, of humans, but especially as Americans. But it's even deeper as a Christian because a spontaneous giver is, that's like maybe the most fun you're ever going to have giving. Now, I know that's weird to say it's fun to, to give away, but it really is. Um, it happens to Ada and I pretty consistently. I'm not bragging, but I'm giving you examples. Uh, this week, uh, we were at uh, Fred's Market in Plant City because that's where God resides. Yeah. <laughs> maybe in Riverview some too, I don't know, but Fred's Market in Plant City, Holy Spirit is there right next to the... <laughs> and so we were at Fred's Market in Plant City. And um, Ada had just left. She had to come back to prayer. So I was there with the kids and her parents. And, and I'm watching. And this family is kind of in front of me to the right. And I'm watching this family. And, um, and the dad was just awesome. Like the way he's treating his kids. Like the, the mom and the other kids are up there at the bar. He's like playing with the little kid and all this. And it just like, it just blessed me. I don't know if you, you ever hit like that. Because yeah. we live in a world with a lot of males, but not a lot of men. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a man being a man. And, and I just loved it. I'm like, this is so cool. I just love this. And I just felt prompted. I'm like, Holy Spirit said, why don't you just, why don't you just show him how much you appreciate it, even without talking, just pay for, pay for their meal. It's a whole family, y'all. There was like a bunch of them. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the waitress came over uh, uh, and I said, hey, um, this is weird. I said, but that family right there, like, I want to for, pay for their food. Is that okay? She's like, yeah, that's really cool. And I said, I'm going to write a little note. You give them the note instead of their check when they ask for it. And so I um, wrote a little note, just said, hey, thanks for being a great dad. I mean, you just blessed me watching you. Keep it up, man. I'm proud of you. Just, just know people are watching. And, and it wasn't that. He had like a teenage boy that he had too. And just watching the way the teenage boy acted. When a father's in the house, it makes a difference. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't survive as a single mom, but it makes a difference. And I just wanted to celebrate it. And so, and so I paid for their meal. Uh, a few months ago, Ada wasn't there for this one either. I ended, it's, it's weird. I ended up at Waffle House. I ain't hating, but I was in Palatka, Florida. If you ever been to Palatka, go nowhere and turn right. You end up in Palatka. I was in Palatka, Florida. I'm on a prayer retreat by myself. Everything is closed because in Palatka, they close everything at like eight. And so I'm like hungry. And so I end up at a Waffle House, man. And, um, and there was this whole family with a, with a mom or a grandma, I think is probably what it was, and, and watching them. And they all stopped to pray. And, just, and, and they prayed. And, and I'm like, man, you just never see that anymore. I mean, our family does it, but you just don't see it very often anymore. And I'm like, that's so cool. And I just, again, felt prompted. I was like, God, just, why don't you just pay for their food? I'm like, all right, I'll just buy their food. So the waiter comes over. I'm like, hey, I don't know that family, but bro, whatever they're buying, just put it on my check and I'm going to pay for them before I leave. That's what it looks like 
to actually live in financial freedom and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to go, I can bless other people as the Lord is leading. There's been many times that we've walked through and, and done a, a, a really large tips for people. You know, maybe uh, I remember one time there was a lady, she was super pregnant, like ready to give birth, like as soon as the rake was up. And she was our waitress. And I'm like, man, she is too pregnant to be waitressing right now. Let's, and we gave her a really, really large tip. Like that's what it means. It's fun to be spontaneous in your giving, but that's how you use your freedom. Once you have it, that's how, not for me, not just for me. It's not wrong to buy things or do things for yourself. It's not what I'm saying, but it's not to indulge the flesh. It's to bless others. So spontaneous givers. There's, there's, there's also um, uh, planned givers. Planned giving is not nearly as exciting but it's actually more profitable. It actually does more good. Planned giving is when you, you give, you know, $25 a month to support a child in another country or things like that. Uh, it's, but you give in legacy here at our church where monthly you're gonna give them out to legacy. It's more valuable because we're able to then budget for other ministries. So if we're given, uh, next week you'll have a Breaking Chains Network will be here and they uh, work in the area of human trafficking and rescuing girls out of human trafficking. It would be no good for me to send them a check of different amounts every month. They can't, they can't function that way. No more than you could function not knowing how much money you're gonna make from your job. And so it allows it to be consistent and standardized. Uh, next week in our church, uh, we will be taking legacy pledges. That's missions for most of you, but we use the word legacy. It's, but it's the pledges for how much you pledge each month for the rest of the year. I'm not going to beat you up over it or anything like that, but this is how much you can give every month. I ask that you go and pray about it this week. My goal is, is same goal every time, is that we have 100% unity in everybody doing something. If it's $50 a month, if it's $100 a month, listen, or if it's $1 a month, that's okay. Yeah. It's really honestly not about the money. It's about taking a step of faith. It's about being obedient. It's about creating a, an attitude of planned giving. So even if it's $1 a month, everybody can do something. Don't be embarrassed by that. I will celebrate it from the rooftops. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing. Everybody can do something. I think it was Rockefeller who said, I could never have uh, tithed off my first million if I had not tithed off my first $10. Listen, you got to start somewhere, you know, start with somewhere. And so, so planned givers, you're going to get that opportunity next week. So pray about it this week, but even planned givers, there's other ways. I, I know a family in our church that they save money every month so that when it comes to Christmas time, they have this large amount of cash and they purposely look around Christmas time for people to bless. That's another way of planned giving. It's just not spontaneous. Now you're planning to do that. And they got all kinds of great, cool testimonies of that. And, and, and in their particular story, uh, they will bring their kids into it. And so, so they'll go to a restaurant or something like, all right, God's going to show us somebody to bless. Help us look. And so their kids will be looking for somebody that they could, they could bless or something. So that's, that's planned givers. And then generous givers. There are moments in your life, maybe not every week, maybe not every month, maybe not every year, but there are moments in your life where God will call you to give till it hurts. Ada and I have lived through quite a few of those. And God will call you to give to the point that you're like, whew, this is a little scary. But God, you own it all. It's all yours. So I trust you. So those moments will come up as well. And, and there's been moments that God called us to sell things. We've given cars away. We've done different things that, that financially, if you just look at a financial advisor, it's a bad move. But kingdom wise, you can never outgive God if he's the one calling you to do it. And so there's been many of those times as well, and God will occasionally call you to those kind of moments as well. All right, I, I close with this. In fact, would you just go ahead and stand up? <clears throat> How
How do we use our freedom? To serve others. As you put this budget into place, as you get out of debt, whether it's six months or six years, as you find yourself in a place of financial freedom, don't run back into debt. Choose rather to serve others with your financial freedom. And I leave with this last thought. The one who freely serves is actually the one who is most free after all. You will be the one who is most free. And the great example of that is the great example for you and I's life, it's Jesus. Jesus lived every moment of his life in total freedom. He was never in internal bondage. He was never in an internal prison. He lived in complete freedom, yet he chose to be bound onto a cross for you and I. He used his freedom to serve us. And if that's the model of Jesus, then that has to be the model of me. Because to be a Christian is to be Christ-like, imitators of Christ, little Christ. And he used his freedom to serve me. I will use my freedom to serve others. And in so doing, he said these words. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There is a freedom that's outward. It's important. It's good. But there's a freedom that's inward that's so much greater than the freedom of outward. That's beautiful. That will carry you through. That'll give you peace and chaos, as our youth like to say recently. Real freedom. Would you bow your heads with me? There are some of you in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this morning is your opportunity to surrender your life to him to experience real freedom. To experience the Holy Spirit who opens the gates of the cell that we're locked in and then calls us out of them. And I know some of you already made decisions for Christ earlier during worship, and that's a beautiful thing. But there's others of you today that this needs to be your day to experience freedom in Jesus, to experience the life that he wants to give you, that he is not trying to imprison you He's actually trying to set you free. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.